All right, well, hey. So how many people uh, got surprised when Brad started singing he's got pipes like that, right? Yeah, I remember a few years ago, uh, Terry and I were in a church in Russellville, and it was a Sunday night service, and this, this boy went to the university, you know, went to uh, Arkansas Tech, probably a freshman, looked like he was about 12, and nobody knew but the, you know, the music leader that this, this guy could sing. And he, he sings this special, like this, you know, it was to, to a tape. I mean, it was a horrible song. But, man, everybody looked at each other like, what? Yeah, uh, back in the day, I got to be around Brad a lot. And, um, man, I, I just have always appreciated the way you lead, brother. It's, uh, it's cool. And those are some awesome songs. Well, um, we've been in this discussion about what does it look like to, to be the church, what does, it even, what does it even mean? What is that, uh, it, does it matter? Trying to just really start at the beginning and make no assumptions because, let's be honest, we all walk in and we have those assumptions from our past experiences, from uh, you know, different settings uh, and things that we learned, what we've seen, our culture. We just make some assumptions about what this thing is that we're, that we're doing here this morning. And so we're trying to go back and just ask that base question, does it even matter? And it made me think about different groups that I've been a part of in my life. Like if I take it out of this, you know, church Bible, God context, and I just think, all right, in, in normal life, what other groups am I a part of and which one of those most mirrors what I feel like the scriptures say about what it is that, that we're doing here? And um, one of those, when I was a kid, little known fact, I was a part of a square dancing group. Uh, and Miss Lofton was actually also a part of this group a few years before me. Uh, it, it, we were called the Tiptoes. And um, yeah, we square danced, we clogged, mainly at nursing homes. Uh, this is out in the, out in the street. <laughs> well, actually, you know, at, at, uh, I was at a wedding. This is what happens when I go to a wedding and there's a dance. Like, it just automatically starts to, you know, I'm trying to make Terry do this, and I start doing the clogging thing. It's, it's in there for sure. Uh, hey, here's the thing that's weird about it, though. It was the cool thing to do. Like, the cool kids did this in DeQueen. That's just, like, honestly, it, I know that sounds crazy. The, it was just, that's what it was. And, um, I mean, my, my memories, there's a lot of, there's a lot of memories <laughs> attached to it, uh, I remember being at a nursing home and a lady growling at me, I'm pretty sure. And, and that just, like, I knew we were doing something good at the nursing home, but that lady kept on looking at me really weird, and she had like a... And it, I remember as a, it, being about this size going, man, I'm kind of a little bit scared here. Uh, and I remember one girl's palms were always really, really sweaty. And like when you were going around the circle, it was like, oh, you know. There's just these little memories that stick with you. Uh, but the guy that ran this... He was serious about it, and he was a square dance caller. And so, I mean, he, I mean, it, we practiced a lot when we did it. You know, we, we did a really good job. Like, people who knew how to square dance thought that, you know, these kids could actually do it. I mean, it, it, got, it was pretty impressive. Like, we joined together, and we did something. And, um, you know, I think about that with maybe sport teams that I was a part of. In college, uh, me and some other guys started a fraternity. And I remember that we started it going, hey, this would be fun. And then we realized, man, this is a lot of work. Like, you got to put this charter together. you got to come up with all this stuff. And then, and then like, 
fraternities are expected to actually make a difference and do something. So when, what, these guys always come up with ideas. We're like, man, we, we, we were just trying to have fun. We didn't know what this would take so much work. But it's a, a unit, a, a group that comes together to, to accomplish something. The other picture might be, I mean, Terry and I, we don't do it near enough, but we really do like to go to concerts. Um, probably our, the one we share the most, the artist that we both are, are fans of, is uh, Chris Stapleton. Probably because Terry loves country music. I don't like country music, but he's bluesy enough that, you know. So we've been to a few of those concerts. And when we're out there in the crowd, like say at the amp, and everybody's, you know, out there on the grass and having a good time and watching somebody perform, we're all there together. But that's very different than being a tiptoe, right? <laughs> I mean, I, it, when I'm a tiptoe, I'm, I'm a part of this group. We're, we're practicing together. We're doing something. We have, we have a purpose. We have a plan. We're, we're moving. It, over here, I'm just there to be entertained. I'm a member as opposed to just going to an event. Now, if I ask you that, which one is church? Of course, everybody's got the right answer. But if we really cut deep down and start asking ourselves around us, in our own hearts, and the culture around us, which is church? Let's be honest, y'all. It, in our culture, has real quickly become an event that people come and watch and then go home and not membership. Which is really weird because it's so much at the core of Jesus' teachings. I mean, it's so much at the core that I'm afraid that the things that are most at the core of his teachings, those are the things that we kind of just slide past because it's almost too obvious. So we don't talk about it enough because it's, it's almost too obvious. So we just go right by it and go to things that maybe we feel like are more interested, interesting to talk about and skip over massive things. Like when the lawyer came up to Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, and are 22. And he says, hey, what's the, what's the greatest commandment? What does Jesus say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor to the same degree that you love yourself. I mean, that's, when, when somebody says, hey, what's the most important thing? This is what Jesus says. It's not something that's on the side, like it, you, you, know, you can totally be isolated, and it's just this, he immediately says, love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, and your strength. But the second is like it, love your neighbor, and that degree that he put on it, the description of it, as you love yourself? Man, think about that. And then you got to think about, well, what does he mean by Neighbor. I mean, when he says neighbor, I mean, is he just talking about the person who lives across the street from me? Mm. Or honestly, I think the, the temptation I have is to think about neighbors, just the people that live under the same roof as I do. Because I'll be honest with you, we got, we got four kiddos, and that's a lot of people's, you know, just, just that, just, just six people in a household. And I feel like it would be real easy for me to say, well, yeah, I, I love them well, that's loving my neighbor. But then that skips over something else that Jesus said. Matthew chapter 10. He says, the struggle, the opposition in following these teachings that I'm giving to you guys, the struggle is going to be in your own household. Your enemies will be the people in your own household. You're going to be tempted to give the affection that I deserve. You're going to be tempted to give the care that, that 
others need. You're going to be tempted to give all of that attention to only the people in your own household. And those people, as critical and important as they are, you can't let your affection for them trump these things that I'm asking you to do. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So then, if we're talking about neighbor, y'all, we're talking about everyone who walks the planet right now. In your neighborhood, in this room, in the family of faith, outside the family of faith, in Eritrea. I mean, we're talking the, the world over. What does it look like to love your neighbor to the same degree that you love yourself? You know, one thing that I've, I've seen as we um, have kind of walked through these last, uh, I think we were saying this is the 26th Sunday uh, since this thing kicked off. Uh, one thing that I've seen and that we're going to see in the coming six months is this reality of what I'm talking about right now, how much does membership to the, to the body and the family and commitment to the family, really, how much do we really own that conviction? Because there has been a drift. All of us have experienced that this happened, you know? And now this question, does, does it really matter? Or is it just an event that can, you know, take it or leave it? Or is it tiptoes? I'm sorry, I'm just going to keep on saying tiptoes. Uh, um, you know, a couple weeks ago, or right before this series started, Charlie talked to us from John chapter 14, or John chapter 15, talking about, you know, when Jesus says, hey, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you're connected to me, if you abide in me, if you live here, remain in me, then you can bear fruit. Remember, it was just real simple, but apart from me, if you, if you don't do that, apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing, right? Y'all remember that if you were here? Uh, when you start talking about fruit, this, uh, there's a lot of way, you know, ways you can start describing that. It, but basically, it's the, if you're connected to Jesus, then you start to kind of look like Jesus. Uh, Galatians chapter 5, we get a list of some things. It, it even describes it as fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If you start walking through the, the, the fruit, man, it would be really hard to operate in all of those things alone. Fruit shows itself when you're with other people. Love, joy, peace, patience. I mean, patience. <laughs> patience just doesn't come when you get your own way all the time or everything's just you. No, patience comes when you try to marry somebody, right? <laughs> then you start learning, oh man, when you start trying to love somebody that's not necessarily easily lovable, it, 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 that's when you have to operate in this fruit of the Spirit so that is patience. Things are chaotic. That's when you really have to operate in peace. Uh, nothing happens on an island. But then what's really interesting to me about that, uh, right at the end of that section, in verse 10, John chapter 15, he describes this is what it means to remain in me. So if you're, if you're the vine, you got to be connected, or you're the branch, and you have to be connected to the vine. This is how you connect. This is how you abide. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Now, I don't know about you guys, but that part, man, having full joy, whatever that means, like to be completely 
at capacity of joy, I will sign me up. So then let's back up. So I want my joy is going to be complete. If for, in order for that to be too, I, true, I've got to abide in him. I've got to remain there. I've got to live there. All right, so what does it mean to live there? Well, look what he said. He said, to do that, you keep my commandments. All right, so here we go back to these commandments again. So there's some things that Jesus says we're supposed to do, and if we do those things, then we're going to have this, I mean, overflowing joy. But what's the commandment that he really wants us to do? Well, look, verse 12, the next verse. And this is my commandment. In case case you missed it, let me tell you what the commandment is that allows you to abide in me, (laughs) that results in full joy. This is my commandment. That you love one another. And this time when he qualifies it, he says, as I have loved you, love one another. So he's, he, I mean, he calls it out of all the commandments. There's a lot of commands in Scripture, right? Which one's the most important? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. The second is like, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, hey, this is it. If you're going to be with me, if you're going to follow this Jesus, if you're going to remain in him and live a life that's, marked by his attributes and his power and his presence. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. And as I have loved you, my goodness, it goes on from there talking about how he laid down his life. So we've already said, love your neighbor as yourself. Now love your neighbor in the way that that Jesus loved you. That's incredible. So, this is a simple truth, but we can't pass it over. And Charlie talked the first week of this series about how this really matters to God, the us, and not the, you know, separated out, isolated individuals, but that he looks at us as a we. It was obviously really important to the early church. We looked at it last week, the beginning of Acts, and how they were devoted to this thing. And the thing I tried to do preparing for today is look at just church history from, you know, from that point, from the early church till now. What were the things that you can see in the way that the people that were before us, did they consider it important or, or did they not consider it important? And, you know, looking at it, I saw two major themes. And if, if you haven't just made a run through, there's a... Um, run through church history and all the different things that happened. It's really cool. There's some, a lot of videos that just kind of walk through piece by piece by piece. But the two big things that I see is that the church has been persecuted. I mean, it starts out at the very beginning with the early church. If you read the New Testament, you see persecution, just this theme that's going. And then it just, just continues in a lot of really hard stories. There's a book called Fox's uh, Book of Martyrs. If you've never read it, you totally should. I mean, but you better just get you a Kleenex box and get ready, man, because there's just story after story after story of the saints that have gone before us that laid down their life. And um, it even in this passage, John chapter 15, right after what I just shared with you, he, he says this, verse 18, if the world hates you, Know that it has hated me before it hated you. Jesus made that promise. He says a little bit further down, if, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And what's interesting when you look at the history of this is that 
when the church is persecuted, man, it actually grows. Today, the places on the planet that that the church is growing the fastest are the places where there's the most opposition. Those two things are connected. Now, why is that so true? Because when, it, when it's free, when there's no cost involved, the truth is we start to get a little soft, you know? Um, we start to turn into consumers. This, this thing is, is for me. I noticed uh, Brad and I were talking about, um, we spent some time in Colorado uh, over a summer, and I noticed that the church that I went to there, there was just a difference. I had lunch with a, with a couple there, and, and you could tell, man, there was just a life and a, and a fire. And as I started to ask more questions of them, they said, yeah, here, you know, here, nobody is cheering for you saying, good job if you go to church. No, it's the opposite. We get ridiculed, you know? All of our friends, they don't, they don't really go. But when, when we go... We go because we really love Jesus and want to know him more. And you could sense it in the room. And I know, I mean, I grew up in the Bible Belt. I've been around the Bible Belt. I mean, I, you know, you get, you know, kind of round of applause for, for going to church. When I was a teenager, man, if I, you know, actually showed up on a Sunday morning, man. And so what did I learn? Over time, I just learned, oh, yeah, I get applause just for showing up. And all those things that they're talking about, yeah, I mean, yeah, those are important, but I don't I, I should do it. I mean, I'm doing good just to show up, right? This is, um, you know, some of those people from history and some of those stories are absolutely insane. There's, a, there's one, of course, India has a big place in my heart, and there's a guy there that, uh, his story, he began to follow Jesus, so his dad said, you will no longer be a part of my family, and stripped him of his name. As he was leaving, his sister came out and said, I made some food for you for your journey. And he ate the food and almost died because she had poisoned it. And it's just this guy's story, just again and again and again, just opposition and opposition. This group of Buddhist monks threw him in a, in a hole where they, where they threw all the dead bodies, and it was full of water. And a really cool story, <laughs> he's, he's in there, which is the, one of the most horrific things I can imagine, Right? And somebody comes along and opens it and lets him out and then locks him back. And then he's just walking around town <laughs> and the monks see him. And they're like, how did this, how did you get out of that hole? And uh, they knew it had to be miraculous. And so everybody just listened to every word that he said from that point forward. But just story after story after story. There's a, there's a guy that I really like from church history named C.T. Studd. And, um, you know, there are guys like this, and uh, Lottie Moon's another one. She was a missionary that went to China that was, I think, four foot three. And when they wrote letters, they endured all kinds of hardships. And they would write letters back to the church to say, hey, man, what I see over here, it's, you know, this thing is real and growing, and it's tough. And, man, you guys, y'all aren't taking it serious enough. In fact, C.C. Studd wrote a little booklet entitled uh, DCD, which actually stood for I Don't Care uh, Expletive. And that whole thing is that. It's to the church saying, hey, 
you guys, I'm not going to hold in anymore. I'm not going to take it soft. I'm going to tell you, Jesus is real. This thing is true. He is the hope for the world, and we got to take it serious. In fact, one part of it I was just going to read for you this morning. He says, Oh, Holy Ghost, inflame my heart and then pierce it and make it whole. Crucify each base desire and uh, resurrect my soul. Lord Jesus Christ, dwell in my heart. Yea, uh, occupy the whole. Since I knew thy might, ever since I knew thy might and love, fierce passion fills my soul. Just, just as I read these next few lines, just think about if you could say this, you know, or, or the believers that you're around and know would talk like this. Lord, clothe me with thy, uh, oh, Lord, lover, who didst die for me? I live when I see thee, for thee I die to, to all the world, yet live triumphantly. Lord, clothe me in thy blood-stained robes, soft uh, raiment I abhor. Pain or death shall only make my passion rage on more. I cannot live without thee, Lord. In thee I must abide. How can I crucify my, uh, what I've heard? Uh, No, how can I crucify my, sorry, Uh, and die and die from every earthly tie for whom, O Christ, you I, I live and die. It's just so thick with, hey, this thing is, is serious. And if we're not careful, we'll just, we'll just pass by that. Um, you know, I, I said a minute ago, persecution has not stopped. In fact, it's only growing in other places on the planet. And it's amazing how this promise of Jesus, hey, it's going to come, and it actually lights the passion of his children on fire. And the people that watch as they endure those hardships, they're only amazed by this thing must really be true. Fox's Book of Martyrs, it's like story after story after story. They stand and they they confess at the moment of death or whatever the hardship is, and the onlookers all go, oh, man. It confirms that it's true because people are willing to, to lay down their lives and, and have hard things, you know? The other thing I noticed from, from church history is, man, they took the truth seriously. Like the Bible, what the Bible had to say, they, they thought that was important. It even started back when, you know, we studied through the book of Acts that, uh, I mean, the early church... Some were saying you had to be circumcised to be a part of the, the group. Others were saying, no, that's not true. You don't have to be, become Jewish. You just need to be a follower of Jesus. And these are the things that are important. And that doesn't seem like a big deal. It's a, it's a part, you know, part of Acts that I just passed over growing up. But it's, it's massive because a decision was made that this faith was not just for one group of people. This faith is for everybody. And so what did they do? They came together. And I bet, it, I bet that, uh, that meeting got pretty intense because it was important that the truth was told and that we held on to those things that were really important. And you see through church history, there are these big fights. And honestly, I mean, there's the sad part of that, that, man, fighting over things that don't really matter. But the big pieces, like Jesus is God, man, that needed to be fought over and stood on and believed. Because if he's not, then what are we even doing here if he was just another man? You know? 
So the church, we, persecution is one of those things that we should expect. And the truth is something that we have to stand on. You know, uh, a little bit earlier in John chapter 14, verse 21. He says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he's the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him too and manifest myself to him. Knowing the commands of Jesus and actually seeking to obey those commands. That's what we're here. That's, that's, that's the deal. And it seems like earlier, you know, my grandparents, you know, my parents, I, I, was, I was thinking about this. The church that I grew up in, every week we would end with this song, we're a part of the family of God. <laughs> and I don't know if I ever stopped and really thought about, oh, this is my family, and I am a part of, of this family, and we're all looking to Jesus, but we're linked together, and we are a part of a team, and I'm, I'm in the family. Um, but those commands, learning them and actually o- obeying them, I mean, what are the truths that we rally around and stand and link arms for. Because if we're just consumers, then what happens is over time, then we're like, well, I really don't like that one. That, that command's not comfortable. Or, you know, I may hold on to that, but is it really a big deal that we say, no, you know, this is true about Jesus. And that picture of him's not true. This is who he really is. Darcy, uh, I asked her how school went this week, and she came home one day and said, oh, it was great but I don't like being told what to do. (laughs) I don't don't like to either, sister, but that's kind of what this thing is. I mean, we we go to the Bible, and we want the Bible to, we don't want it to be uncomfortable. We want it to tell us what feels good, and we don't want to be told what to do. But man, this, this message today, this truth, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor to the degree that Jesus loves you. And if we're going to do that, that means we have to be together. We have to spend time together. It means I have to know enough about your life that I know how to help and how to love. It means you have to know enough about mine for that to be true. You know? So, John chapter 17. Jesus is is with his disciples and he prays for them. And what I want to do this morning is read this prayer and just close with this, but I want us to treat it as if it's a prayer that we're, if Jesus was in the room and he's praying this prayer and we're bowing our heads and praying with him. And as I, I read these words, I want you to just consider. Don't take anything for granted. Listen to what he says and what he desires. And let him reveal to you what steps that would look like to just obey this prayer to follow the, the, the guidance of the prayer that Jesus prays for his disciples. So here we go. Let's bow our heads together. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them has been lost except the son of destruction, that the scriptures might be fulfilled. 
But now I am coming to you in these things I speak in the world that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word and the world has hated them because they are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I send them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, that the world would know that you love me. Father, I desire that, that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you love me before the foundation of the world. Oh, Jesus, I, I pray this, that we would be one. It seems like it's really important to you not just a, one of many things, but a, a core, that we would be one. So I just agree with your prayer that you would make us that way. Amen. Amen.